In this episode, Alistair Jolly and I sit down with David Grover to catch up on all things Capture One. This is Twit. Before we dive into today's episode, I've got some exciting news for you. I'm happy to announce a new Smug Mug and Capture One integration. Now you can finish your edits in Capture One, then showcase your work with Smug Mug's stunning galleries, prints, and sharing. To celebrate, Capture One and Smug Mug have joined forces to bring you an awesome holiday treat. Three months of Capture One Pro absolutely free. Just head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash capture one and level up your photography today. That's thisweekinphoto.com slash capture one. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo, aka TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson, and uh, this is a much-awaited discussion that my my uh, illustrious co-host here, Alistair, and I have been sort of pining to have for quite some time. And it's with this guy, Mr. David Grover from Capture One fame, who's on hey, the show. We're going to catch up, David. We got we, we have to catch up on all things Capture One. We got to catch up on the AI stuff. We haven't talked since this. All this stuff happened. We haven't talked since the AI stuff happened. We haven't talked since the, the iOS app came about. We sure. haven't talked since... Obviously, since iPhone came out with their new phones with the USB-C and what does that mean for pro-level apps like Capture One? Mm -hmm. Of course, iPad already had USB-C. We saw some tethering stuff at the key at the, the scary fast keynote. All this stuff, right? So I wanna I wanna get all that stuff into like 30-ish minutes and then maybe let Alistair ask <laughs> a question a or two. <laughs> oh, I get to ask one. That's good. You get to, well, you're you're Vanna, man. You gotta sit back and just look nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been looking forward to having this conversation for a long time. There's been a lot of cool things happening, as you see, and you know, David and I are fortunate enough to talk on a fairly regular basis. So it's nice to finally get this episode recorded and, and let the world know what's been happening in Dave's world. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So Dave, let's let's just catch up, you know, right off the top. You and I you and I haven't spoken. I didn't know that you and Alistair were friends, you know, and Alistair, I've known Alistair since, you know, he was just a little boy. No. I've known Alistair <laughs> for, <laughs> for he, he was just a wee little lad. I was uh, never little. <laughs> he was never little. Came out like this. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's what happens in Scotland, right? <laughs> We've known each other. I can't remember how we met, but we've known each other a while. Probably on the yeah. on the circuit somewhere, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Traveling yeah, the world, trade shows or something. Yeah. yeah. So you know, on a on a personal side of it, David, what what's been going on in your world? Anything new? Anything big? You know, what's what's yeah, happening with David Grover? It's it's been a super busy year, really. Um, as you said, the last time we spoke, I guess we probably had capture one and that was it and then yep. since then we've now got really much more of an ecosystem so we've got capture one we've got capture one sitting on mobile devices we've got capture one live which is our collaboration uh, platform expanding partnerships with camera manufacturers and everything so it's less really now about just an editing app but more trying to get photographers and clients together to collaborate and you know work in the same space as well because what we learned very early on is that capture one is often the the center of the action in a studio or something like that 
Um, but it's not only the photographer that's interacting with it. We've got the photographer, makeup artist, stylist, clients, some in present, could be someone on the other side of the world approving as well. So to try and bring all those people together has been you know, a bit, bit, bit of a focus point as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And there's there's so many different ways to approach this. And Alistair, feel free to jump in at any time. Like there's from there's a there's a you know, the obvious questions about just sort of competitive analysis and which tool should I choose? And Capture One is legendary for being the grown-up tool for for <laughs> photographers or the go-to tool if you have if you even feel like you may one day tether you got to be using capture one because it's it's the the go-to for that what's the positioning these days you know considering everything you just mentioned mm. like who is there a target market for me it used to be like oh tethering people yeah studio shooters commercial photographers yeah. of course capture one i feel like it's probably bigger than that now <laughs> like who's, yeah who's, it, was, who's the it was super easy it was super easy selling capture one I guess even five years ago, because you could pretty much guarantee the customers, someone in the studio, they shot tethered, they were probably shooting fashion or portraiture or something like that, or commercial advertising editorial. That was pretty much it. But since then, Capchon's expanded into a whole bunch of different areas as well. We've got wedding photographers, portrait photographers, landscape photographers, wildlife photographers, and everyone has unfortunately a very different requirement uh, which is fine that's what makes it interesting um, but yeah it's it's a much broader customer base than it was just only yeah five or six years ago really so new yeah. new challenges yeah new in, in yeah good, much of that came about idea. because we um you know so many different genres were looking at capture one as their raw converter Right, where yeah. it, you know, as you say, portrait tether. People had known about it for a long time, but when people started shooting raw mm -hmm. files, um, and we're looking for the best uh, converter in the world, many of us jumped to Capture One, not because it provided us the tools that we needed from a you know uh, right. a tethering world or whatever, but purely for that conversion opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, that's, and David, that's a good point. Yeah. one one of the one of the questions that that I got from some folks in the community was about uh, digital asset management. And, you know, mm -hmm. I don't want to get that out of the way because there's a lot of sexy stuff to talk about. The, the <laughs> kind of block and tackle stuff is this boring stuff. Yeah, yeah. Damn or digital asset management. Mm -hmm. There was this kind of back and forth about, well, you know, uh, other solutions are better for digital asset management because they do A, B, and C. Um, where does Capture One stand on that? Is it more of, hey, just point it at a directory or give it an image or, you know, that kind of flow? Or is there, is it, has there been a significant amount of attention paid to the digital asset management side of the house? Yeah, well, we've had a broader dam system since about Capture One 7, I think, is when it started. So yeah. formally, there was only you know, one way to to store your files, which was in something called a cap capture on session, which is still alive and well today and much loved by a bunch of photographers, a bunch yeah. of our customers. Uh, but yeah, we've also had full asset management since around, yeah, capture on seven, I think it was, which was at least 11 years ago now, I think 10, 11 years ago. Don't quote me on that, but, but pretty much in double digits, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so yeah, if you want to use Capture One as an asset management, you certainly can. We've got 
loads of ways to filter, add keywords, um, you know, arrange your files. Now, a whole bunch of robust stuff. Performance has improved immensely over the years. I'd say the original incarnation of a catalog wasn't that robust, but it's it's come a, a long, long way since then. And we have plenty of customers who are uh, who are using Capture One in that that fact as well or that that purpose uh, but we've also maintained capture on sessions which is a totally different way of file management but suited very nicely for for individual projects too so yeah you got you've got options essentially yeah yeah and then the the this this sessions part of it um that i think that was when I first was exposed to to Capture One, getting my mm -hmm. brain around sessions, I think it was probably, mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard this before, right? Was like, yeah, yeah. okay, <laughs> how does this work? What am I supposed to do? Where is it? Is it portable? All that. For yeah. the lay people out there, can you just like explain sessions? <laughs> yeah, what, sure. What, you know, from the horse's mouth, what a, what a session yeah. is and who it's for. It's, it's really ultimately super simple. It's way simpler than any damn asset management system out there. It's really just a way of storing a single project. So you have a master folder, and then you've got a capture folder, an output folder, a selects folder, and a trash. And it's all in that master folder. So if you want to move that master folder to backup, an external drive, or a different computer, then everything comes with it, images, adjustments, and so forth. Um, that structure can be expanded. So if you were on a shoot where you had 10 different looks to shoot or something like that, 10 different headshots, whatever, then you can just expand out that capture folder into different ones. Uh, and that's it, really. So it's just very simple to be portable, yeah. backed up, move from different systems and systems. And of course, all of that can be shared online as well for, for remote approval. So it's, it's actually very basic, I think, because it's unique to Capture One. It scares people a little bit because there's nothing that they can relate it to. But in actual fact, it's, it's very straightforward. Yeah, and that's the thing. I was my brain was searching for an analog, like oh, yeah, oh, it's like yeah, that. Like, you know, oh, it's a folder, <laughs> or it's a this. It's a, it's a yeah, file yeah. package. But yeah, so thank you, thank you for for breaking that down, Alistair. No you've worries. been using so you've been using Capture One for for years and years and years. What yeah, yeah what what's at the top of your mind considering what's happened over the last year, eighteen months or so with the software? Yeah, I've been using it a long time. When I switched to F Fujifilm, I think I mentioned this before, mm -hmm. when I switched to Fujifilm and the, the X-Trans sens sensor, um, Capture One by far did the best job at converting those raw, raw files. Uh, and yeah, I've stuck with it ever since. So I went down, and, you know, I'll be honest, I went down that long slog of converting from Lightroom to, to Capture One. It's it, It's never easy changing no. you know that muscle memory you've been doing for a long time but it, it persevered and it got there and it's 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 awesome and now um you know for me one of the big steps dave that you've you've went is you know um mobile so having you know the ipad as kind of the the home of the images while you're shooting and that type of stuff that's been you know that's been kind of one of the areas i've been excited to see you kind of mm -hmm. developing in that in that area well, let's take that ball and run with it, David. Like what the <laughs> the, the mobile version? And when we say mobile yeah. version, there it's, that's split, right? There's an iPhone version. So yeah, what's that about, and who's right. it for? And then there's a tablet version. Well, the iPhone version exactly. now, like we said, that Apple put USB C on there. So what's that mm -hmm. for, or who's it for? And then 
uh, the tablet version. I just got the new tablet, and finally I got a new M2 tablet, iPad Pro. Nice. So now I can run proper software, I guess, on it now. So what yeah, is yeah. it? What's what's the iPad? I know, I know you, the tethering word is going to come in there, but kind of break it down for yeah, us between those two. Yeah. Is he reaching over to grab it? So the iPad version or capture yes. mobile as we yeah. say um, i see you got a picture of me on there what's going on with that yeah there you go it's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> i wish it was me <laughs> um it's been around for a while now at least capture one on the ipad so it used to be called capture one for ipad but when the iphone came along um yeah. then we called it capture on mobile because it's the same installer that sits on ipads or iphones um but obviously the interface is different because the iPad was designed so that it could be held, you know, with two hands. So you have ways to operate it, just holding it with two hands. Uh, we didn't feel it made sense just to lift and stick the desktop version onto the iPad because that's not designed as a touch interface. Mm -hmm. So everything, you know, has been re-engineered uh, to work specifically on something larger like, you know, the iPad or something smaller like your iPhone. But the important thing is between desktop and mobile, whether that's iPhone or iPad, is that the engine, if you like, the processing engine is identical. So Image Core, which is the brains behind Capture One, if you like, the raw conversion, color profiling, all that kind of stuff is absolutely identical across those platforms. So there's no degradation in image quality, color behavior is exactly the same, noise reduction, sharpening, the way the adjustments behave is identical across those platforms. And that was the biggest thing we wanted to achieve or the biggest problem to solve so that whichever device you were picking up, the color response would be exactly the same and the image quality would be exactly the same. So that was, if you like, the hardest part, you know, then making the interface kind of work on those different sort of platforms was, you know, the, the second part. But yeah, the, the iPad's really shown itself to be a robust, super lightweight tethering tool. Certainly if you're yeah. working out on location and you don't want to drag laptops and all that that kind of stuff with you, then you've got, you know, a high performing, as you said, Fred, you know, with an M2 system or an even uh, an M1 system, my iPad Pro is an M1, and it performs really fast, like shooting tethered. It's not like, oh, I'm on an iPad, it's slowing me down. Quite the opposite, really. It's just a really fluid, you know, nice, fast way to work. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious about the the workflow. For example, with uh, uh, Blackmagic Design and DaVinci Resolve, when they they introduced yep. sort of the synchronization support and you know their mobile Got version it. on the the iPad and even on Adobe side with Lightroom Mobile and all that. There's this ecosystem and sort of the idea that oh, I could be working from anywhere and doesn't matter. My device, or or my device becomes a portal into the work versus the work living on the device. So therefore, if I find myself in a situation with just my phone, I can get a little something done. Or if on my iPad in the back exactly. of the cab or at my proper workstation, does is Capture One following that same kind of flow where I can just pick up whatever device I happen to have and continue working? Yeah, almost. <laughs> so we've cool. got um, sync in beta at the moment, which is mm -hmm. what we call it. So what we have at the moment and what we had from the start was the ability to, let's say you start your 
workflow, whatever that is, up on the iPad, maybe you've shot tethered or you've been working on location and you've imported some images to it. You can do whatever you need to do on, on the iPad, start making some adjustments, add a preset or whatever. Then you can send that up to our cloud and then pull that down on your desktop and then pick up where you left off. Uh, but as exactly as, you, as you've described, you know, people also like the option of, actually, I've got a spare 10 minutes. I'm going to pick up my phone, pick up my iPad or whatever, and do a little bit more work, maybe do some rating, export a few things or whatever, which is entirely possible. So for quite a few months now, we've had sync operations in beta. So some testers putting it through its paces, finding out what works great, what needs improvements, and so forth. So very soon, I would say, without giving concrete dates, we should have some news on uh, uh, when that's going to be available as well. Really? Cool. And I think that's where I'm beginning to see Capture One really become this fully fledged ecosystem now where it's not you're not you're, you're not tied to your desktop or your your laptop in, in a studio you really can use it uh you know on location with an ipad to tether which uh you know as i'm getting older and my eyes are getting poorer having a, a large screen like an ipad on, on location <laughs> yep. is good um and then those moments where you find you know a downtime during traveling or mm -hmm. uh you know a commute or between jobs or whatever where you can now just jump onto a device that you have at hand um yeah that's that i think that's been a huge improvement on the the full ecosystem that we have now yeah, with the capture one Definitely. Yeah. And with, you know, improvements in this kind of, this isn't a 15 yet, this is a, a 14, uh, but improvement in this kind of technology, just adding USB-C uh, means you can tether to something like this as well. So you can hook up yeah. your camera. I, I can tether to this just with the Lightning's camera adapter, but obviously that requires a, an adapter. So now having USB-C on the iPhone 15, you can literally hook up your camera, shoot tethered, send that to the cloud, and then be ready to, to start working on, on your desktop. And also, even on you know an iPhone device like this, we can run this to Capture On Live, which is the collaboration service. So you can shoot tethered and then have your client reviewing images as you shoot as well. Um, so even though it's just a phone, you know, it's a, it's a really powerful device for location work and just having that lightweight tethering option as well. With the, yeah. with the live stuff, when you're collaborating with other people, uh, what level of collaboration do you have? Can they comment? Can they write notes? Yep. Can they communicate with you? Yeah, that's all. Yeah, so you can, you've got various different access levels. So you as the photographer are in control, which is really important. So you can say, Alistair, I would like to give you the ability to star rate and comment. Fred, I would like you to be able to color tag, but not make any comments, something like that. And for you know a third person, I would prefer if they can view it, but they can't actually interact. But to give someone full access, they can star rate, they can color tag, they can write comments, and all of those things arrive back to Capture One in real time if that's needed. So if Capture One is open um, and then someone is, and whether that's on iPad or iPhone or desktop, Capture One's open and someone is working collaboratively on a collection of pictures, which they can do via any web browser, they don't need Capture One to do that, then everything is synchronized to Capture One immediately. Uh, if Capture One is closed, then they can still work uh, on the, the platform, commenting, star rating, and as soon as you open up that collection again, everything is synchronized back. 
So it's either it's great for in the moment work or it can be give me your feedback in two or three days time or something like that. So it work, works perfectly for, for both situations. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious on the, from a from a client workflow perspective, if you're shooting and uh, you know, you're shooting basically to the cloud. What does that UI look like for the end user? Like if it's a client, do they are they required to download Capture One or nope. something similar to so, view it or is it just a web page? How, how does that just work? Just a web page. So yeah. Oh. So any web enabled device, um, that's it. It's uh, it's super simple. So they just have the ability to see images as thumbnails, they can look at them bigger. And then they can just star rate color tag, write their comments. It's yeah, it's you don't need any training or expertise to be able to use it. If I sent you a link, you'd open it up and go, Oh yeah, I I know what I have to do. So it's that's really it's cool. pretty uh, self explanatory. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And passworded, I'm guessing, the gallery that you send them yep. to. Yeah. Okay, yep. Good. So you've got different levels of security. So I can send you an anonymous generic link which will just take you straight in. If I invite you over your email, then it will only let you in uh, when you provide that email and, a, and an access you know, yeah. situation so that not anyone can just jump into it and start messing around with your pictures or viewing them or whatever. Right, <laughs> so it's right. pretty and Alistair, leaving you some nice Alistair, comments. That's, is, yeah. that, is that tied in, that's tied into the, the Smug Mug uh, plugin or is it with with Capture One? Can you talk to yeah, that? Yeah, well, thanks for bringing that up. We we should talk about that because that that is another <laughs> cool little a cool little area that, that I tee him up. Like, you hit him, Alistair. That's how yeah. <laughs> I'll drive that one. I'll drive that one right out the park. Yeah, absolutely. The um, th that's something. Gosh, I every time I'm at a trade show or a community event, I always get people saying. When are we getting a plug-in for Capture One? When are we getting a plug-in for Capture One? And Dave and I have <laughs> discussed it many times that we would both love a plug-in for Capture One, but neither Dave or I write the code that makes that happen. Um, sure. So we finally got around to making a plug-in. It's still um, a fairly simple plug-in at the moment, um, not as robust as some of the other plugins we have. But yeah, you can now edit in in Lightroom and hit the the share feature to send that image straight to your smug mug account uh, which is wow. you know it's a nice step forward to be able to get those mm -hmm. those images straight out of capture one and into your smug mug account wow. that's cool and that's a, when, is that available now people can go grab it yep. oh yeah using... yeah people cool. have been using it for for a long time uh and, and already making demands on us to to add things to it and, and and build it out which is great it's great to see people you know using the the technology that we build and, and hope that they do use it but um yeah it's it's nice just to finish that image and you know i want this on my smug mug account i want this in a smug mug gallery just mm -hmm. hit the button and it goes straight from capture one without without even having smug mug open once you've authorized it obviously but uh yeah, yeah. really cool finally yeah. got there so we <laughs> david uh if you have time um in a couple of minutes as we when we wrap this up uh, i'd love for you to do a quick demo if you're you're up for yeah that. okay yeah and for the folks that are that are listening to this as a podcast um uh, i'll do a couple things so i'll i'll have a version of this interview that is just us having the conversation the first half and then there'll be another one with the demo that david's going to show obviously you can't see it if you're listening to audio but there'll be two <laughs> versions for you to listen to the youtube video will be obviously be on the twip youtube channel and on the website and then the uh the audio will be 
on the YouTube channel as well, but you know, with the with the whole entire of the video. So you'll see what David's I'm talking good. about he's, once it's he, all posted. He's not good enough to <laughs> to make audio show video, but he is good. Um, but yeah, something. <laughs> Before we get to to that sort of stuff, I, I'd love to talk about your favourite subject, um, Frederick, if we can, mm -hmm. and that, uh -oh. of course, is the world of AI. Um, oh, we've spoken that one. recently. <laughs> we've spoken recently. Of all the loves you have, you have you have that yeah. one as well. But um, <laughs> I, I I must admit, I'm not loving the guy outside my house with a chainsaw right now. But we'll, we'll I ignore can't hear him. him. Um, we can't no, hear I can't him. hear him. Good. No. Um, now I heard him. <laughs> what he's cutting down. Yeah. So, Frederick, you and I have spoken at length over the last weeks, months, years uh, about the world of AI and improvements that you know editing software is doing. So, David, mm -hmm. I'd love to dive into that a little bit. You know, where is Capture One with sure. AI? What parts of the tool are you using? What are you using mm -hmm. it for? What can we expect? That type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think well, we've been in the AI space for quite some time now and started off very small and then have gone to something much grandiose now. Uh, but we had our first AI feature, which was auto leveling uh, quite a while ago now, probably at least a year, maybe more than a year memory escapes me. So a very simple tool that would just analyze image contents and then straighten it. Um, and of course, obviously, like all AI tools, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the upshot is, is that it works enough times to save you a huge amount of time if you're doing it manually. And that's really important. The, the AI tools that have then developed into Capture One have not been about editing as such um, or replacing skies or changing someone's appearance, those kinds of things. We, we, we're not really interested in that part of AI. What we're interested in for AI is to do some of the tasks which we find tedious. So like leveling pictures is that example. Uh, the second AI thing uh, that we brought was something called Smart Adjustments, which analyzes, uh, has facial recognition, and then can normalize a batch of images to have the same exposure and white balance, even if they were shot in totally different situations. So if you think of events or weddings or something like that, where the light is changing rapidly or shadow to sunlight, then that will instantly you know equalize uh, up a bunch of pictures and then moving on to simple things like eye detection so if you're browsing through a bunch of pictures then it will snap to eye we can look at that and then the biggest ai thing that we just launched of course was masking which requires you know image recognition to be able to to pick out different parts of it so started off small much much uh, greater more impressive plans now but the the whole ethos of it being to give you some time back, not take over any creative process, because that's that's not what our customer base is about. You know, primarily our customer base is professional photographers. You know, they are paid to provide a creative service, and part of that creative service is their look and the way they shoot and edit their pictures. So we don't feel anyone really wants us to to take over that part of um, photography. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's absolutely mm -hmm. right. All right, David, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about uh, what we kind of touched base on in the beginning, and that's the whole tethering side of the world yep. and and how all that works. Capture One, 
like I was saying, uh, that's when it first kind of came into view was everyone was like, okay, if you want to shoot tethered, use, use capture one as well. The pros use even anecdotally or, or, uh, I don't know what the word is serendipitously. I would see <laughs> capture one. I don't even know if I'm saying the word right. I would see capture one in videos of other professional and commercial photographers mm -hmm. just in the background. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, of course, you know, I make, you know, $300,000 per shoot and there's capture one showing <laughs> the clients. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so it's been known for doing that. And like you said, it's now doing a bunch of things and serving a, a giant part of the market. Can you talk to the tethering stuff and where it was yeah. back then and how it, if it has evolved in terms of camera yeah, support, definitely. speed, everything? Definitely. Um, well, initially, Capture One was was written to support Phase One cameras, so that's why Capture One was born because there was no application to do that. And then I think we expanded that by supporting one Canon camera at some point uh, for, for tethering, apart from Phase One cameras. And if we fast forward to where we are now, twenty five, probably twenty eight years later since Capture One started, mm. uh, we now support obviously Canon, Nikon, Sony. Fuji, Leica, Sigma, as some of the brands that we support for tethering. So that's expanded um, massively. Um, also, along with uh, the release we had just very recently last week, um, we've increased a couple of things in relation to, to tethering, uh, even though, as I said earlier, our customer customer base is super wide, a large proportion still tethers. So in terms of performance, that's had a little boost or quite a big boost in terms of something called preview generation. So when you take a shot, Capture One has to very quickly make a, a small preview of the shot that's significantly faster now and much more efficient in terms of space it takes up. Um, and we've also added a new feature called uh, Retether, uh, currently just for Canon and Nikon, but hopefully we can expand that out to, to other manufacturers manufacturers but that's just a way to increase the flexibility of tethering and i think fred we've got a little video which probably describes that better than me all right david so we've 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 talked about a bunch of other features within capture one one of the features we were talking about off the top was the tethering feature kind of my first exposure to Capture One and, and I guess a lot of people as they, when they decide that they want to try shooting tethered or they have a need to shoot tethered for clients or whatever, it feels like Capture One is, and for the most part, has always been the go-to for that. So can you, can you talk to that and where, where Capture One was, you know, let's say five, six sure. years ago and how has tethering evolved in terms of camera support its speed and all that over the years? Definitely. Well, Capture One has been around 25 plus years now, uh, probably 28, 30. Again, don't quote me on that, uh, but more than more than 25 anyway. And originally Capture One was written as an application to connect to phase one cameras to get the image from camera to desktop. So since then it's evolved a great deal. We started off by supporting one Canon camera, I think the EOS 5D probably when whenever that was launched and now to expanding to be able to connect to canon nikon sony cameras fujifilm leica uh, sigma sigma as well so a whole bunch of different manufacturers can now connect um, and shoot tethered directly into capture one um, so it's had a huge boost in terms of not only cameras that can connect to it but performance 
in the release we had just uh, last week or two two weeks ago probably by the time this is is broadcast uh, we've improved the performance quite a bit and certainly relating to the preview generation so when you take a picture tethered capture one has to make a small preview uh, which is what you're looking at in capture one and that's now way more efficient builds much faster at least half the size, so just a lot more efficient all around. Um, and then we've also got a new feature added to tethering called retether. And I think, Fred, we've got a video for that, which yeah. will help explain okay. it better. There you go. So, yeah, this is our feature photographer. She's been shooting tethered. Um, Ajar Too Short is her name. And now she can pull the plug, as you saw, and carry on shooting. So, Matt, perhaps you need to go in a bit closer. Cable doesn't reach or you just want a bit more freedom to move around the studio, shoot a BTS or something like that. Hook the camera back up, now connects into Capture One, and everything that you shot untethered now gets imported into Capture One. The important thing being is that any adjustments you had are carried over, and any naming convention that you had is carried over as well. So it's pretty much just like you shot tethered, but without the, the cable. So a nice addition. Mm, very very nice. clever. Mm. Yeah. That's killer. That's killer. I want yeah. that. Yeah. yeah so much. Go ahead, go ahead David. Some Sorry, I, I stepped on you a little bit. Say, say that again. That's all right. No, I was just, just going to clarify that it was it's only currently for Canon and Nikon. Uh, the reason for that is not because we don't like the other manufacturers. Um, it's purely because unfortunately no two manufacturer does things the same way when it comes right. to communication protocols most are using something called ptp peer-to-peer -peer, i think it stands for uh, but the way you implement that is also different as well so canon and nikon have done it in a way which allows us to um, bring about this feature quite easily and then now the next step is to look is it feasible and so on yeah Good, good. Um, to wrap that that bit up before we dive into the demo, just a quick question. Mm -hmm. So on on iOS devices, I guess now you know the iPhone is included in that now with a USB C connection. So yep. you mentioned this, you touched on this a little bit before, but could I theoretically plug my Nikon into a iPhone 15 Pro Max and shoot mm -hmm. tethered into that as well as my little my little iPad yep. 11 inch. I can do the same. Yeah, just plug in. Yeah, no computer required. Yeah, just get a long tether yep. tools no, cable no and go to town. That's the the benefit of the USB C. You can just go mm -hmm. straight in. If you've got a lightning port, you need the camera adapter. But yeah, otherwise it's just it's just plug and play exactly as you were doing before. Same color quality, mm -hmm. speed is great. Um, you can collaborate with Capture One Live as well on the mobile platforms. Retether the feature I was just talking about works as as well. So to be honest, on in a mobile situation, you could connect your camera, shoot a few frames, get everything set up looking nice. You know, do your adjustments, disconnect, do a few more shots, plug in. They get pulled down. They could be uploading to the cloud whilst you're shooting. So it's just a you know, the retethering feature sounds well. That's you know not much. So what I could just import, but the fact that it sorts out the naming, applies the adjustments as well, is just a big time saver because no one would really then want to copy and apply mm. adjustments, do a battery name. That's just too much hassle on yeah, set, really. Yeah. If you're pressure, 
you've been traveling quite a bit recently dave you've been on on locations i know you've been in iceland and stuff mm -hmm. have you when you were on those trips did did you tether to an ipad and and you know do some live stuff where you interacted with people that weren't on the trip yeah and are you yeah. are you going to do a... that with the iphone when you get it yeah, I think that could, certainly for places like um, you mentioned Iceland, I, I did tether to the iPad a little bit because I was kind of sat in one space, wasn't going to move. And then I just wanted to make sure everything was good because it was a long exposure. Didn't really trust the the viewfinder to, to be able to tell if that was good or not. Um, and certainly recently I was in the US as well um, on a couple of those trips that we did. There was a few long hikes into to various different locations didn't want to carry a laptop didn't really want to carry a tablet either weight is critical but to be able to yeah. shoot into the iphone and just have that bigger slightly bigger screen to see what's going on chucking a few base edits and send them to the cloud on the way home in in the car or whatever and have it ready and waiting on the desktop is just uh yeah really nice benefit yeah yeah, that's crazy. That's Technology, cool. yeah. you know, one one thing that I did learn about the the tethering because I, I just two days ago I picked up the iPhone 15 Pro Max with the USB C on it, of course, and um, turns out that all Pro model iPhones aren't the same. So you could get an iPhone Pro with a USB C connection. Um, you're going right. to get slower speeds. I don't know if, if the speeds are fast enough for tethering. It sounds like they are because you're basically getting oh, yeah, lightning. Yeah. You're getting lightning speeds out of that, mm -hmm. the basic Pro port. But the Pro Max, for some reason, Apple has flipped the switch and with for high-speed data transfer and all that. But that's only on the Pro Max right. version. Right. I thought right? it was just am the I, Pros. Am I that right? No, I thought, it was, I thought it was you could get the 15 had USB-C, mm -hmm. but it was slow, but the 15 Pro and the Pro Max right. both had the high speed. So it's right. the Pro. So the Pro yeah. is the high speed. Oh, so yeah, there, that's the nuance. Just because you have a USB-C port on your Apple phone doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get Correct. high speed. You need the Pro model is the takeaway. Thank Correct. you for that. Yeah. Yeah. But surely, does, are they still both sufficient though, Dave, to, to tell? Yeah, it's, it's still yeah. sufficient. So even, even the Lightning port is sufficient to, uh, to tether. But what's interesting with the full speed uh, USB-C port is if you have a camera that can support it and depending, I, I can't remember off the top of my head what speed the pro USB port is, um, but if it's 10 gigs per second, uh, then you can get some ridiculously fast tethering speed. So the Fuji GFX 100, uh, the new one, the Mark II that just came out has a 10 giga port uh, 10 gigabits per second USB transfer speed. Mm -hmm. And if you have a cable that can support that, you can get ridiculously fast uh, tethering speeds, even though it's 100 megapixel, the rate of which images come into Capture One, if you've got a computer that can support it, and actually a cable rated to 10 gigabits per second is really important. Just buying the cheapest one you can find in the parts bin at Best Buy or whatever isn't gonna oh, isn't yeah. gonna cut it. So you need oh, one yeah. that's, that's rated for it, and then yeah, tethering just absolutely flies. It's great. We could do a whole uh, a whole episode on USB cables. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. don't buy it. It's gonna cables. be a world. I mean, <laughs> it's a minefield. Yeah, it's a minefield. It's a world of hurt, is what it is. With so many, because all I mean, traditionally, because we all grew up kind of with outlets in our house you plug if the plug looks like this and you plug it into that hole it should work right and it's not the same with USB-C which a lot of people are going to discover when they go buy this super 
you know, yep. cheap $5 cable off of Amazon that's mm-hmm. USB-C and you plug it in and things crawl and you, or it fails yeah, immediately exactly. or something. Yeah, exactly. So and there's a reason yeah. why tethering cables cost a bit more than a charging cable. So <laughs> there's yeah. a reason no. for that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I just, I just buy OWC cables and forget about it. Right. Cause I know, <laughs> or find a manufacturer that makes mm-hmm. reliable high speed cables that, you know, and you can test and get them from there Absolutely. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I was on this quest, David. I was on this quest last year of it. It started with one cable failing in my whole setup here. And ultimately, I just, you know, over time, I'm just going to invest and replace every single <laughs> USB-C yeah. cable that I have, regardless of what it's for. I just want the best cable plugged into everything so I can swap and everything. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm still getting there. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> so I'm still, <laughs> still switching. Um, let's, uh, Alistair, if you, if you don't have any other uh, questions to throw at David, I say we dive into that demo and, and sure. let David show us. Yeah. Let's let's see let's some of this stuff in action. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. All right, folks. Folks that are watching this uh, again, if if there's space left on your timeline, that means you know we're putting the whole demo in there. If this video ends in a couple of seconds here, that means there's another video where you can go watch this demo. This is Twitter. Capture One and Smug Mug have joined forces to bring you an awesome holiday treat. Three months of Capture One Pro absolutely free. Just head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash capture one and level up your photography today. That's thisweekinphoto.com slash capture one.